This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. I've been to the movie theater, I think, 12 times this year, yeah. and every movie was good. And Willis. I talk about this movie. I'm talking about this movie right now, and I'm like, I need to go watch this movie. <laughs> Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. This week on Pixel Splitters, we are going to talk about Top Gun crossing the billion dollar mark. It's a big, yes. big mark for, um, well, I mean, for anybody, really. Uh, Pretty much anybody, yeah. Yeah, we're also going to talk about Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I still don't know the name of this movie. I like show. Kenobi better. Kenobi, We yeah. know who, you only know one Kenobi. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like it could be Ben or Obi-Wan, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> show complete. Uh, we're going to yeah. have a somewhat spoilery, I don't think yeah. that's a word, conversation yeah. about, about Kenobi in the finale and our thoughts as a whole. And we're going to talk about mid-tier movies and if they're like making a comeback, you know, we of course have our yeah. huge blockbusters that are always going to make a billion dollars. And then we kind of had that middle ground for a long time where it was like, yeah, here's a movie that's $50 million. It's going to make 60 and sweet. That's fine. Yeah. And we're seeing an uptick in those. So we're going to discuss if that's really happening, what it kind yeah. of means and where we're going with that. Yeah, because I think we go back and forth in this weekly where we're like, oh, they're gone. Oh, they're yep, back. Oh, dead. they're gone. And, I will and- <laughs> say I, I when we started this podcast a year ago, I would have been like, I, yeah, no, it's we're top tier blockbusters from now on. Um, Same. But I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have a discussion. We but know. first, Josh, uh, you want to run us through. It is the first. Well, I guess it's the last week of June. Um, yes, yes, we'll we'll say that. It is it is June thirtieth. Tomorrow is July first. We are into the summer season. We uh, are. So what's coming out, Josh? What do we got to watch? So we got a couple things to watch here for theaters. Not much, unless you're a child. We've got a new Minions movie, Rise of Gru, which I don't know how this isn't just a Despicable Me movie. It seems like it would be a prequel to Despicable Me, but apparently Minions is far more profitable than Despicable Me is. So now we have Rise of Gru opening tomorrow for all of your... I think this is (laughs) supposed to be the one right before Despicable Me, where the Minions find Gru. Ah, oh, that's how that happened. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I'll go see this movie. (laughs) I'm a fan of like the Minions franchise as like commercialized as it's become. They're fun. Yeah, Yeah. it's fun. Yeah, it's literally just like dumb, like slapsticky. Mm -hmm. It's it's great. It's awesome. But if that doesn't tickle your fancy, we also have a period drama that goes by the name of Mr. Malcolm's List. Now, this says it's going wide. (laughs) No idea if it's going to actually go wide because yeah. I haven't seen much about this at, anywhere. At it's, it makes me laugh. It's like you get Minions, which is like the ultimate yeah. like <laughs> wide range appeal. Yeah. And then you have Mr. Malcolm's List, which is like <laughs> the most niche possible film, pretty much like yeah, British Victorian rom-com it seems almost like like slash revenge tale yeah. type of deals so i will be you really on this one. <laughs> you really only have two things to go see this this weekend in theaters although you still have top gun you also still have top black gun. phone yes so that's fun for streaming though no movies but we do have three shows that are premiering are coming back first of all we've got baymax coming today on disney plus which i'm yesterday. pretty excited about yesterday and uh I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Big Hero 6. I think it's a yeah. great movie. It's one of the best movies Disney's put out in a long time. And if anything is going to get a series, like this almost made my yeah. franchise list, but like they're doing a show. So like it's turning into a franchise. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Baymax. I mean, Big Hero 6, if you don't like it, I don't know what's wrong with you because it's a great it's a great movie. It really is. It's beautiful and it's funny and it's heartfelt and it's unique. So check it out. We've also got a a show that I have not checked out yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about, which premiered two days ago on the 28th, Only Murders in the Building. Have you watched this? I have. It's really good. Yeah. It's it's Martin Short and Steve Martin. It's Martin Short and Steve Martin and Selena Gomez, who is not to be uh, discounted in this role. Actually, like, really good as well. But it's like, 
I mean, it's two legends, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Selena Gomez. But like, yeah, it, it, like Steve Martin and Martin Short, it's so perfect for them. Right. And it's it's great. And like it has that like drama to it that's like hilarious and compelling. And it's I don't know I'm I'm super excited to be watching. Hell season yeah. Two. I'm amazed at how fast season two has arrived. This show must be a very yeah. easy make. It's got to be. Which, I mean, it all takes, like, it. so, I don't, premise, they run a murder podcast when someone gets murdered in their building, uh, you know, on the Upper West Side. Um, yep. And it all takes place more or less in that building. Sure. Um, and you can feel it when they're not in that building. You're like, oh, yes. They're like, oh, we had to spend a day yeah. on location. This is weird. <laughs> but... All right. Well, I'll have to check it. I, I it's another one of those shows. And I'm like, I have to watch it. It's on. It's Hulu. a very, it's a very easy watch. They're okay. 30 minute episodes, and they, I, oh, they perfect. might even be like 20 minute episodes. They, you, you can knock it out. Fast. Okay. All right. Well, I've got to check that out. Everyone else should check it out as well. The last thing I'm going to mention here is Stranger Things yet again. For some reason, they broke up the season by two weeks. Why? I've no idea. By but here a we month. go. Come on. Was it a month? It felt like a very short period of time. Yeah. I guess it's because it's a show and people talked about it for weeks. But... Yeah. Well, I, I find it intriguing here that um, I feel like people are still talking about it. We we had they talked are. a couple weeks ago about how, yeah, like this stuff has its pop culture impact. Then it goes away and like Stranger right. Things is going to be nice because it's going to go away and then come back. I don't think it really left. I think I feel like people are still talking about it. Right. And do you think it's because they're like, well, we only got part of the yeah, season and now we've got to like <laughs> two more episodes coming in like a couple weeks? Yeah, possibly. Um, but it's got a hold on the on the culture. It does. Like nothing else does. And maybe it's because it's the only thing that is like this. I mean, we can talk about Kenobi, but that Stranger Things is getting a much po more positive reaction yeah. than Kenobi did. So, well, and Stranger Things is, oh, wow, maybe not. I was going to say Stranger Things is much more embedded in pop culture, but I'm like, more than well, obi-wan kenobi <laughs> maybe not i mean maybe with the kids now though like i don't know who knows it's maybe star wars is big but i don't know do these like flash in the pan type things really... we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that because we're about to talk about kenobi we are we very much are so yeah. that's what we got premiering this week guys yeah. let's just like get into it you know yeah let's, let's get do right it. into it okay <sighs> So I'll start by saying this. I still haven't seen Top Gun. So this will be spoiler free. Not that we have to. There's no it's yeah. Top Gun. Like it's, <laughs> you, yeah. you could guess what happens in the movie. Um, but it made a it made a billion Across dollars. the billion dollar mark. In which, like a number of not that long. Yeah. And it was it's actually uh, as of our recording today, I think it was one month ago. I believe it was. It, so we're recording this on Monday, the 27th, and I believe it came out on May 27th. It made a billion dollars in a month. <laughs> yeah. In 30 days. Not even Doctor Strange. No. Could do that. It's wild. Um, I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home did that and change. Um, sure. Like that's so it's a weird thing because the billion dollar mark is not unheard of these days. No. It's It's a weird thing. So like I was thinking about this and I'm like, yes, this is definitely something noteworthy but also like a billion dollars isn't what it used to be it's true um so i don't like it's an interesting use case because like what why it's the biggest film of tom cruise's career which is a yep. wild thing to say out loud yeah you know considering like regular regular top gun the first top gun um, regular. not Maverick's Top Gun, but like, you know, Minority Report, Collateral, War of the Worlds, Edge of Tomorrow. You I'm trying know. to think of any other There's like, other hitters from yeah. him, well, other than like the Mission Impossible movies. Mission Impossible, and, like, yeah. The Mission Impossible, like Mission Impossible movies. Like how huge yeah. is it when those come out? Yeah, especially now. Especially now. And especially I feel like that's the one franchise that I'm like, I have to see these in IMAX. So like... I don't know. Having seen it, Josh, like what's your call on why this is doing so well? Well, so number one is a hundred percent word of mouth and it's not. So mm -hmm. this movie and the original Top Gun movie are very much part of the same series. Like 
tonally, everything. Yeah. And it's not that the script is like Aaron Sorkin level, yeah. like let's social network this up. Sure. Like no, that's not what this movie is. It's a really fun, classic a action few good movie. Men, another uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Yeah. Not to derail it, your train of thought. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's all cruise. It's yeah. all cruise all the time. So, but it's, it's, I think people forgot what a classic action movie is that's really, really well made. Like this movie, yeah. love Tony Scott, but this movie is way more, be- way better, better made than the original Top Gun. Like just a hundred percent with the camera work, with the direction, with the cinematography, with the editing, with everything. And, I think people just forgot. I think they're like inundated with Marvel movies that are like, yeah. eh, in the direction, eh, and everything except for the spectacle. Yeah. And this is good and has spectacle. And I think people are rushing to the theater to be like, and telling people. I mean, I've recommended this yeah. movie more to anybody than any other movie this year, apart from everything everywhere. But it's like, I just want people to experience this movie, you know? And I yeah. think that's what it is. They forget. They've forgotten what it's like to have a good action movie. Not Fast and Furious. That doesn't have to be Marvel. superhero-based, yeah. Yeah, not Star Wars. Like, give me a write down them. Even Mission Impossible, I'm like, yes, but it's too big. This is a small movie yeah it's about a small group of people doing one thing the whole time most of it's training and it's awesome you know so <laughs> is it interesting we talk so much about franchises on this on this pod is this not the start of a franchise is this a true blue <sighs> sequel you know what i mean like is there something there of like it's not world building it's just here is a sequel to a beloved movie that's what it feels like now studios think differently but sure. that's i'm hoping especially when this, it crosses the billion dollar mark i know they're like oh you you mean we could do this again no i mean it's it's it feels like a true sequel that isn't setting up another one like yeah. there's no stinger yeah you know there's no there's no credit like, scene yeah <laughs> oh ice man's gonna fly again like that's not gonna mm-hmm. it, that just isn't happening here so I think people are ready for that. The one and done action movie. Well, I guess this is a sequel, but like, you know, this is yeah. not trying to be like 10 movies down the line. We've got Vin Diesel doing this crazy shit. And, yeah. and so they're, they're taking the jet fighters into space. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's an anomaly, but it's almost not. It's almost just like, go back to what we were doing before. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's like a step outside of the industry that we've known for the past decade. Exactly. And I think this is going to give people more hope, too, because it's not a Marvel movie and it's not a Jurassic World movie and it's not a a fast movie and it made a billion dollars. So it means that people want to see this again. Yeah. Like give Doug Lyman 80 80 million dollars to make another movie. Like his movies are not always great, but like they're really fun. Yeah. And they're like this. You know, this isn't going to win an Academy Award. I mean, maybe for cinematography, but like speaking of Doug Lyman and putting Tom Cruise in space, but exactly. You know, know? (laughs) yeah. So it's a really interesting, like I never would have saw this coming ever. Yeah. That this made a billion dollars, that people loved it, you know, or that it was going to be great. You know, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Kaczynski like isn't the best filmmaker. Well, it's, so. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing because like you look at all the thing, all the markers that we would usually consider of like, this is going to blow up and Top Gun doesn't hit any of them. Any of them. Tom Cruise, bankable star. Yes, sure. But sort less of, so yeah. recently, I I feel like. Not yeah. that he doesn't have star power, but I mean, this is he hasn't carried a huge movie in a, in a little while, you know, yeah. and even when you talk about Edge of Tomorrow or something like that, it's like, yeah, it did great. But it was very uh, contained, I guess is the word. But totally. So like main star, I guess, sequel, like, yeah, but like from a movie from 40 years ago, like, I guess yeah. um, that nobody in my generation even saw. So yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like no other big stars to speak of. No, it's we have to like rewrite the formula of what's going to break a billion dollars if we're if we're including this all of a sudden. Totally. Um, yeah. Which I guess like, you know, you include things like Avatar and stuff, but like the, I would I guess yeah. you can say and again, I haven't seen it, but like no massive CG spectacle. Um, no, I don't know if they used I mean, they definitely used a little tiny bit of CG, yeah. but. Most well, of it's not, seen, like the CG is not impressive. Yeah. Well, and I've seen like uh, behind the scenes clips of like they had actual fighters, like c- they have camera fighters. 
yeah. that like fly around with them. I'm like, that's dope. Yeah. But I don't think that's a huge draw for the few common moviegoer. It's like, no, cool, but that makes me want to see it. But I, you know, as we've said countless right. times on this pod, we're not the average moviegoer. Um, not even close. Which is like, I feel like a weird flex on our side, but, um, <laughs> eh. <laughs> but yeah. So it's it's so bizarre. Like I feel like this needs like like an in depth analysis. I want some you know uh, yeah film theorist to write a paper about it. And, you know, be like why this worked. It actually doesn't make any sense, and I, it's so crazy because it's good. Like that's yeah. the thing that I keep coming back to is like it's just a good movie. Whereas these other movies like Jurassic World and and even some Marvel movies, it's like they're not by any metric of actual filmmaking good. Yeah. Like they're not, they're just cash grabs. And this, while it might've been a cash grab, like felt like somebody cared, you know, someone cared a lot about this film and it's probably Tom Cruise. I mean, yeah, let's be real. It's Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) And he was not going to make this a bad film. So it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting case study and, I, I want to actually, now that you're saying that, I want to see if anybody's written, uh, people have definitely written yeah. critically about this, but uh, it's it's odd because it I'm doesn't curious. really fit I, into those. I feel uh, like the thing that I lean to is it's Tom Cruise because I think Tom yeah. Cruise has the weight to throw around yeah. to make sure that this is a good, you know what I mean? Like there's not many yeah. actors out there right now that are going to go, no, we're not going to do this in CG. True. Or like that would have, you know, if you look at like a Marvel property or DC property, that would have the way to say, no, we're not doing that this way. And like Tom Cruise yeah. is Tom Cruise. You can't. I don't know that there's anybody that exists in his I, maybe level is not the word, but in his like space of powerhouse actor. No. You know, no. like the only one I would borderline equivocate is Will Smith and not anymore. Um, yeah brad pitt maybe brad pitt Um, maybe yeah but it's so like the one anecdote that i come back to with tom cruise is i heard that damon talking on a podcast once about cruise and the fact that it was like the burj khalifa scaling and Mm -hmm. he basically was like how did you get your safety guy oh yeah to let you do it and he basically was like he said no and i got a new safety guy yeah and i was like that's what tom cruise does if it doesn't go his way it's gonna go his way eventually yeah and i think you're right because he's got the weight to throw around yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's it's, it's almost wild. I mean it's scary, but it's, you know. <laughs> but that's going to he like, gets shit like this made. Yeah. And he's reached that point where like he's going to do whatever he wants and what he wants is nuts, but like that's why I'm actually psyched for this Doug Lyman in space thing cuz it's like Oh man. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be real. They're going to be in space. Yeah. So it's, wild. It's interesting. I cannot wait for you to see it because it's it's it'll be in theaters for like the whole year probably. But like, <laughs> so yeah. you have time. Yeah. Well, that's but, uh, an interesting thing to to touch on real quick here too. Is this isn't adhering to a forty five day window? No. I mean, we're only thirty days into it, but but still, Paramount has said, yeah, like this stands apart from that rule. And Paramount like pretty intense on the forty five day window stuff. They are, yeah. But not when it's making a billion dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's. We're gonna get into my big fat Greek wedding territory, where it's just like, oh, people are still coming to see this. Like, let's go, let's go. Like, just leave it, just keep it rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave the table. People are on. still let's showing. Go. go, go for it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which you know, I would be okay with. I mean, people were getting all up in arms, and myself too, when you know theaters were blocking out 90 showings for Doctor Strange, which I think is a bit much, obviously, but that's Disney. Like, I wouldn't care if this movie played for the next six months. Like, I genuinely wouldn't because it's like, at least it's a decent time. At least you're going to go in and and watch something that's really fun. So, yeah. It's interesting (laughs) in this conversation, especially considering how much the two of us are fans of... Well, speaking for myself, I won't put words in your mouth, but speaking for how much I'm a fan of the MCU and of like what Disney does and things like that. But I'm like, mm-hmm. comparatively, if you compare Multiverse of Madness to Top Gun in terms of executional style of like oh, yeah. how they released it and how they did it, less of a fan of how Disney approached it. And Same. like, I'm, I think it's one of those things that um, we could potentially see a shift away from how disney 
does stuff because Disney's around the table for a decade now. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, yeah. like this is just how movies are released. And mm-hmm. maybe we're moving away from that. Maybe. All it takes is one thing to dethrone the king. Yeah. And then they got to reevaluate. So Heavy we'll have sits to keep the crown. We'll, exactly. We'll have to keep uh, a lookout on this here. Well, <laughs> Disney's. Wow. Yes. I was going to say Disney's like big relaunch of the Star Wars stuff, but I guess that's not true. I'm just like the first thing from Star Wars that I've been excited for for a little while. For a while, yeah. Is done. It started done. like a month ago, started six and weeks ago, and we got six episodes, and there we go. That's all she wrote. Uh, there we, yeah. And I don't think we're going to get more. So I've heard murmurings that maybe, but I couldn't tell if it was a series or if it was a movie or what they were planning on doing, but I... I don't know because I don't I genuinely don't know what the the consensus is about the show because I know tons of people who are like didn't work for me. Yeah, I know lots of people who are like, this is the best thing they've ever done. So and I fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, Um, me too. And it's just interesting because this was the this was the property that I'm like, this is going to be the biggest swing. And if it misses, it's going to be a serious miss because we're dealing with not just like lore that we already know about retconning, but it's also like, this is a character that is beloved. Like this is, this is Kenobi. So it's a lot. It's not a Boba Fett situation where like, we don't really know who this is. And like, sure. Where the original Boba Fett had like three lines. Yeah. And didn't do anything. Empire Strikes Back. Like, you yeah. know, and it was like, okay, cool. And people went nuts. And then here is like, yeah. oh, he's like political. Like, uh, oh, okay. He's not, he's not that um, exciting. Um, so one to 10, where do you put Kenobi? I've been thinking about this. I think I put it at like a six and a half, seven. Maybe, yeah. maybe lower, but I need to, I, it's hard because there's stuff I loved, like loved, loved about it. Yeah. And there's stuff that I just absolutely hated. About so it. we'll say this now, uh, spoiler warning, we're going to spoil yes. Kenobi. Um, yes. You know, if you don't want to hear that, you can jump to our next topic, but we were saying just before the pot, I'm like, is there stuff to spoil here? No, I feel like that's oh, well, the biggest thing I kind of take away is like, I rem- I enjoyed watching the whole thing, but I'm like, were there stakes? No, that's my whole th- that's my whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know how it's gonna end. <laughs> yeah, you like you know all of these characters are like there were no expendable characters. Even like you want to be like Uncle Owen and Aunt Veru were like. You know, in danger, but you're like, no, we're no, like, they weren't. They were zero danger. Yeah, you know, and there's like a whole thing where it's like, oh, they're gonna go kill Luke Skywalker. Yeah, it's like, and well, like, I don't no, have to pay not. attention for this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, not only do we see him in A New Hope and subsequent movies, but also like into the sequels past that. Like, yeah, he, we know he's got six movies in front of him still. Right, um, and he was just in. Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's literally a sequence where Riva is carrying Luke back across the desert. And I don't know what this was for because it's like, I guess the characters didn't know that he was still alive, but yeah. there's no emotional weight. He's like, obviously alive. Like, skip this. Just don't yeah. do this. And that Riva's character is the biggest blunder of the whole thing. Cause I'm like, this is a really compelling character. Yeah. That they just blew it so hard with. Like, there's not like she's an idiot. Like, her, she's unredeemable. Like, yeah. there's things that I'm like, her performance was fine, but it just is an underdeveloped character that they did not utilize correctly at all. And I'm like, don't have a secondary villain. Darth Vader is the villain. Yeah. Why? The Inquisitors played no role yeah. at all. Like, they, they, one of them captured Leia and then like they got her back really quickly. Like that yeah. was the whole, like that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Vader is there. Yeah. You have Darth Vader. <laughs> and it was cool to see Darth Vader at full power. Like when he goes oh, into amazing. the room and like t- just tears that ship apart. Awesome. To which I like that, the same thing. I was like, where'd they get another ship? But um, it's Star Wars. So yeah. We gotta- but like, so that's <laughs> the thing that I feel like 
I feel like that articulates my biggest issue with it is it was lazy writing. Yeah. They were like, okay, we're going to have a fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then like the, the story around it was just kind of there to get us to those spots. I did enjoy the, the story with, with Leia and all that kind of stuff, but I'm like, yeah, sure. None of it had any consequence. It's a net zero. Yeah, yeah. Camille's character like was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be getting like a redemption from this. He's kind yeah. of just there. And yeah. then he's like, oh, yeah, well, this the rebellion was the only place. I love they have the rebellion in everything but name. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like it's O'Shea's character, too. It's like, why do I care? Yeah. <laughs> like. And it's weird because I feel like this is a problem with a lot of Star Wars property right now is it feels like yeah. everything is just fan service. Yes, totally. Where they're just totally. like, look, it's Obi-Wan. Look, it's mm-hmm. Boba Fett. Look, it's this and their and their obsession with their animated series. But like, of um, course. I would have ra- I'll put it this way. I would have rather that Darth Vader was in like one scene at the end and his presence was just like felt through yeah. everything. Um, a la like Rogue One where you're just like oh yeah like he's coming and then he like you know but like there's just not enough like this show was made so that Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi could have a showdown again right like every literally every single scene was like they're gonna fight Mm -hmm. guys they're gonna fight yep and the fight was dope but I'm like sick I had to wait five hours to get to it Mm mm-hmm and I just, I'm like, it should have been a movie, I think. Should have been a movie. But in that same vein, I'm like, I don't know if I would have liked the movie. Yeah. Like, lean into the Inquisitor stuff. Like, that was cool. <laughs> I love they killed the Grand Inquisitor and then they're like, jokes. I stabbed yeah, you through the and- chest with my lightsaber, but you're fine. Um, and it still doesn't matter. Yeah. And <laughs> if he's alive or dead. <laughs> so... I liked the premise of um, what's her name there? Um, Riva. Riva. Mm-hmm. Same. But not the execution. Yep. Um, 100%. And then there was Qui-Gon. Spoilers. Yeah. But like Qui-Gon should have been in the first episode. Yeah. Or he should have been in the episode prior to this one when Kenobi was like, there were just so many instances where you could have had him here and not feel where he tacked could have on. Played like a role, a role in the like, yeah, like it was tacked on. <laughs> Any exactly, role. exactly, tacked on is like the perfect descriptor. Because if you think of New Hope or not New Hope, but like Empire or Return of the Jedi, where it's like Kenobi's ghost, Kenobi is there to like guide and like give sage advice and things like that and like right you know build a character to play off of and then it's just like oh yep remember Qui-Gon he's a ghost yeah and he didn't help you through all of that yeah (laughs) all of what you just went through (laughs) because you weren't ready and I'm like it's it's Obi-Wan Kenobi he was ready I think well that's (laughs) see here's my biggest thing is like okay so Obi-Wan wasn't ready to see him but like Luke was like an hour after obi-wan died right like that's the thing that you're like retconning that you're kind of like Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know i'm disappointed me too and i think and i mentioned this to you and i'm i'm going back on what i said because i said it was star wars was for kids which it's not but it's just not a like George Lucas is a big picture world building guy. Mm-hmm. He's not a details guy. So when it comes down to it, there are things about the plot that just don't make sense. And the more we fill it out, the yeah. more it doesn't make sense. Like that's what we're filling in all the gaps of of all Star Wars now with the games, with the shows. We now have no gaps between Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. We're getting there between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope yep. with this and Rogue One and then Andor right, right after this. So it's like we're getting to the point where there's going to be no gaps. And Star Wars like isn't set up for that because there's so much that doesn't make sense because yeah. he when he wrote star wars it was one of one it wasn't one of nine <laughs> yeah it was literally not even episode four it was just star yeah. star wars it's just like an episodic thing 
And so now we're getting to the point where it's just. It's getting too dense. You're not supposed yeah. to. You're not supposed to know this stuff because it doesn't make sense. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, like, I feel like I've said this before. I'm like, they just they need to get away from the Skywalkers. Yeah. There's I, like, so much lore. All of it. Like, I mean, even like Boba Fett is. Yeah. Part of that. Yeah, why? Because it's playing off of like, here's a character from the Skywalker series. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. okay. Mandalorian, I dig into because I'm like, this is a, like, I feel like the, I disagree with you to a degree in terms of like the world building. I think Star Wars can be built for this, but I think they get too specific in how much they build. Mm. So like, I disagree, mm-hmm. but I agree. Cause like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The droid world, the different world, like the alien races, the tech lightsabers the force all that stuff i feel like can play yeah you know what i mean but when you start tying it to like like in boba fett spoilers there's a line where um someone says like i don't even remember who it was is like yeah like you have to it's when it became part of the Mandalorian again. And you were just like yeah that you have to reach out to the Jedi and and find somebody to train Grogu and i'm like yep we know there's only one Jedi. Yeah. Like we, we're, this is established. Like we know it's going to be right. Luke at the end. It has to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it, you, you've just, you back yourself into a corner every time you come back to this because there's like you're saying, there's so much established. Right. That I'm just like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, and I guess that's a better way of putting it. It's not that Star Wars isn't set up for this, but the Skywalker saga isn't set up for this because there's so much like ingrained lore yeah. that cannot be touched that just doesn't necessarily add up from movie to movie, yeah. and it's okay that way. And I don't need to know. <laughs> and that's Disney. Like that's I think Disney. Like the MCU is set up for that. Sure, the comics are wide. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like with with the Star Wars stuff, it's like, yeah, you're you're in a much smaller sandbox. Um, mm-hmm. And they think they're treating I feel like they're treating Star Wars and the MCU as the same kind of thing. Yeah. And it just doesn't work on that scale. Um, no. So Kenobi, like, yeah, I think I'd land in the same kind of like seven star thing. I really enjoyed yeah. when them when I was watching them. But like, yeah. When you like start to try and process, I appreciate that they like did maintain for the most part the continuity. Yeah. You know, like between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Um, totally. But I don't know. Weird flex to be so like intense on the like spaceship that like Luke is flying around for like one scene in A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is this is a lot, not a toy. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> the job was like, it's super rare. And I'm like, okay. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. This feels like a prop that Mark Hamill just like picked up and decided yeah. to play with while like um, But that's what yeah. they do. They dig into every little detail and they're like, This is a thing now. And you're like, This is a thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's th- this was the one that I was like, this if this goes badly, or even if it's middling, yeah, that's not a good sign. Like yeah. they need to slap something out of the park here. S- one thing, yeah. It's been a long time. I have and like- <laughs> hope for Andor. <laughs> Me too. Looks different. Looks different. I do. I will appreciate that Kenobi was not all on Tatooine. Um, yeah, that was that was dope. Yeah, that was good. But. uh yeah, I have hope for Andor, but I said that about Kenobi. So it's weird. I'm like, at what point? At what point do I not feel burned by Star Wars? Or at what point does the burn from Star Wars become like enough to make me be like, ah, I, I'm good? I don't know if there that because time arguably will ever there come. hasn't been a movie that like I've been like, yes, that was amazing since like you know, 1980. I was going to say Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the prequels yeah. happened and then the sequels yeah. happened and then the shows. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, OK, I, I don't know. Here. <laughs> Did we just make Star Wars into something it's not? <laughs> is Star Wars just not good? And we're just like, I mean, the, so we're going to get here. We're, <laughs> the original trilogy. Amazing. Amazing. But it's been Everything riding else? riding some coattails for a while now. Like how? It's just so unreal. 
and even the yeah we'll move on because it's <laughs> yeah we're just gonna get into <laughs> it's Star exhausting <laughs> and like but that's the thing it's like i don't hate it i don't either i just i'm like i i want better from it i know i know yeah <sighs> so star wars is like this massive thing yeah top gun has become this massive thing yeah and we talk so much about how franchises rule the world true but do they is that still a thing i feel like it's a it's a veil people think that it does but in reality like i don't i don't rewatch the mcu movies yeah i've rewatched the original iron man a bunch because i own it yeah other than that like i haven't rewatched maybe i maybe rewatched guardians one i haven't Rewatched Endgame. I've seen the end battle a few times. Sure. Um, other than that, I just haven't. And I think that eventually, like these movies aren't going to stand the test of time, like some things that yeah, like are just in the background. Like like we're about to talk about mid-tier movies that yeah. aren't $150-200 million budgets, like a fifteen to twenty-five million dollar movie that is just awesome. Yeah, it's it's one of those you know? things I think like <laughs> When I inevitably try and introduce my children to the MCU, it will fall flat mm. because it's very much a, like a time and place of yeah being here, you know? Right. Like I get so hyped up about it, but it's like, because yeah, I have watched these movies for a decade. Yeah. We've been there since 2007. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I think the mid tier kind of world might be making a comeback. Because people have been predicting, like, yep, it's nothing but huge blockbusters from here on out, you know, since for theaters. Like, for theaters, yeah. And we've talked on this podcast about how streaming is changing that. And like, there's kind of a like, okay, is there a level of quality that's worth a theatrical release versus dump it to streaming? Is right. direct to streaming the new direct to DVD, et cetera, kind of thing. Um, right. But there are some middle tier movies that are reaching people yeah which is kind of cool and i think it's just (laughs) the past couple years yes because i can't recall too many that were breaking through you know yeah that weren't big studio properties i mean like a horror movie is i'll put in almost a different category because they never cost that much money and they always make money but but even those movies like a lot of them go straight to shutter, you know, yeah. like they just go straight to a streamer. Cause it's like, well, you know, we could spend the money to put it into a theater and advertise for a theater, or we could just put it on shutter and they'll pay us X amount of dollars for it anyway. Well, and, like and to whatever. just give like a, uh, like a quick recap here. You look at like the top hundred movies of like 2018, which I've just Googled mm-hmm. here and you got yeah. infinity war, black Panther, Deadpool Two, Jurassic world, fallen kingdom, the Meg, which is a movie that existed. Oh, um, but like Venom, Mission Impossible, Incredibles 2, like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Solo, The Predator, Fantastic Beasts, Crimes and Crimes. What a bummer year. Yeah, like, oh, and like there's some God. here that I'm not like, you know, Ready Player One also happened, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, there sure. are ones in there, but they're fewer and far between. Whereas we like look at what's come out in 2022 here and I'm like. It's insane. The, it, like, yeah, there's a much higher, I won't say necessarily higher caliber per se, but like well, less, I, less spectacle and still, well, I guess, yeah, higher caliber. Yeah. I would say higher quality because yeah. they're choosing very specifically what movies to put in theaters. Like, I haven't seen a bad movie in theaters. There have been years where I've seen yeah. 10 awful movies in theaters. I've been to the movie theater... I think 12 times this year yeah. and every movie was good. Yeah. Every single one across the board. And most of them were made for between 10 and $25 million. Yeah. I mean, there's the Batman in there and there's sure. obviously Top Gun and uh, Dr. Strange. Other than that, they're all really tiny movies that were all completely original and really, really high quality to the point where like, I will remember X for years. Yeah. I probably won't remember Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't even remember what happens in that movie. 
So there's the there's a higher there's definitely a higher quality. And I guess if you said caliber, like that's that would fall into that yeah. that category too. But people are just excited to see these movies because I think they're like, I don't want to have to just go watch Doctor Strange. Well, <laughs> like if it's do you think theater it's, time. Do you think it's a level of a superhero and or like I'll say superhero because like I, I scroll through yeah. this list and it's like, yeah, most of it's super. We'll say massive franchise. Do you think it's fatigue? Do you think people are like, oh, dress another Jurassic World movie? I mean, maybe that's not the best example because it also made like six hundred million dollars or whatever. But like, but it's not a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> people aren't going to go see it again. Yeah, it's a weird thing because I feel like the tick up in quality of these films is not an audience demand kind of thing. No. You know, like, no. it's not like a superhero movies cratered and then these smaller mid tier kind of things came up to like fill that void. Like, right. you know, like Top Gun still does a billion dollars. Multiverse of Madness sure. still was massive. No way home. Still yeah. like huge, huge. Um, yeah. But these smaller movies are breaking through but why? I think people just want something to watch that's not that you're not expecting. And and horror has been huge. So like there've been action movies that have done okay and yeah. I'll say like The Northman and Ambulance, not like packed theaters when I went to see, but there sure. were people there and those had a little bit of a higher budget. I think Ambulance was like 50 million dollars, Northman was like north of 80. So like those are still higher, but like when it comes to horror and because they don't really put comedies out in theaters anymore. Yeah. But like, especially like sci-fi horror aspects, like people want to see, that's something that you'd go see in a the theater. Yeah. Or because you know that it's going to be more than just a viewing experience. It's going to be like an entire thing. Yeah. And so, like, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint it as just like smaller movies are going to do better if they're good. Sure. I think people are just, like you said, fatigued. I think they're tired. I think they're like, I don't want to go see Dr. Strange or Top Gun again. I want to go see some some weird little... I want to yeah. see men. I want to see everything everywhere. I want to go see these movies that people are talking about. And I don't know what I'm going to get, you know? Yeah. And regardless, I know everybody in the theater who saw Men with me will never forget that movie. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> so... That's it. The, the memorability... Yeah. Is an interesting concept to comprehend because yeah, that's to me like a marker of true cinema mm -hmm. of something that sticks with you. You know, it's like you're like this movie is something that I will talk about in a decade, you know? Right. Yeah. Which I don't think like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think like the big tentpole things don't really hit that anymore. Top Gun, I think I is Top Gun a sort of mix of these two of this like smaller high quality not smaller but like high quality non-franchise for argument's sake yeah movies that like is is that what happened is did top gun hit both sides of that coin of here's this massive thing and here's this small thing that's not like a massive franchise does that make 100%. sense 100 percent yeah, no, no, I completely get what you're saying, and that is exactly what happened, because, yeah, Top Gun takes place in one location, two if you count, like, where they fly to at the yeah. end, but mostly it's in this one canyon where they're flying around and in a bar somewhere, yeah. like, that's what Top Gun is, but it still feels big, you know? Yeah. It's, it's six people in the whole movie, but it still feels like this massive thing, but it hits that high-quality marker that, like, it looks better than No Way Home. Yeah, No Way Home made better made more money but top gun like looks like they cared about it yeah more, you know and they're like well we have to plan this out so we don't have to th just throw green screen up and say let's do it in post you know and i just think people are getting sick of that they're yeah. getting sick of the and it might even be the practic like how practical it was and i think ambulance hit people the same way where they're like there is no CG in this movie. Yet, <laughs> yeah. For some reason, it's hitting me in the face like, you know, like Thor's hammer. <laughs> like, it's one of those things. And I just, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something to be said for people don't want CGI monster fest anymore. You know? I think... To a that's, point. Well, because they're going like to make Jurassic money because World people Dominion will go see still it. massive CG thing. Well, the ones that are going to make money, yeah, th those will always make money, but I just mean, like, last year or two years ago, 
with COVID not even being here, like these movies would have gone anywhere. Yeah. Like post end, right after Endgame, there's no way these movies would have done numbers, you know? So I just think after you get Disney Plus and you get 10 Marvel shows and you get four Star Wars shows, well, is, people are is like, there something uh. to be said for like, <laughs> this is going to come across sounding really like condescending and judgmental, but I don't mean it in that way. But I'm like, is there something that's accounting for an uptick in the general population's taste in movies? Mm. There is a level to which things that come to theaters have to be a lowest common denominator kind of thing. Sure. You know, because like, yeah, you have to appeal to the widest audience you can. Um, And that's, what's going to put, you know, butts in the seats. So is there something to be said for the idea of there's so much content now? There's so much, there's, endless amounts that mm-hmm. people through sheer exposure are getting a better appreciation for good versus bad. Yes. I think yes. When you get four bad Marvel shows in a row, you're kind of like, there's something up here. Well, it, like I, I, ch- <laughs> I chew on this. This is weird because I like, I think of like red notice and I'm like, this is like a top tier thing that people are like losing their mind over. And I'm like, Red Notice is definitely the lowest common denominator film. Yeah. So there's like a weird, I can't just say unequivocally like, yes, people will have a higher quality of taste because reasons, but, (laughs) but so what is it? Where is the, it has to do something with going to theaters. What's going to be worth my time to go to theaters. I'm like chewing really hard in my brain right now. Like, Right. Where does this, what does this mean? Well, it's interesting because I think everybody that I was in the theater with to see the black phone, mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone in the theater saw Dr. Strange in the theater. Yeah. Like I'm positive. I, I just think those are the movies that regardless what happens, everyone's going to go see cause it's the big blockbuster. Like yeah. we don't have, it's either Marvel or star Wars. Not even it's, it's just Marvel. Like it's Marvel or fast and the furious or yeah. That's pretty well, much it. It's you interesting. Know? <laughs> so I have in front of me the domestic box office for 2022 thus far, mm-hmm. of which Top Gun Maverick is the top. It is yeah, the highest grossing movie made of the like year. Nine hundred million. Yeah. Well, I'm looking domestically, so we're looking oh, at oh, 520 okay. versus 409. 520 for Top Gun Maverick, 409 for Doctor Strange. Okay. Um, but so, like, top, we'll say, we'll say ten. Uh, top 10 are Top Gun Maverick, Doctor Strange, The Batman, Jurassic World Dominion, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is weird because that came out last year. True. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Uncharted, The Lost City, Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, and The Bad Guys, which I have such curiosity about, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, <laughs> so, like, those are all, like, top tier, like, franchise yeah. things. You know what I mean? Huge Not so much, like, projects. The Lost City, I guess, but, yeah, huge studio projects. Yeah, with big stars. Yeah. yeah. And late year is 11. So, like... You know, Mm. all those kind of things. But you like you scroll down a little bit and it becomes a very different conversation. Mm -hmm. So I'm what did mm -hmm. wait, what did Lightyear make? Lightyear thus far has made 89 million. And it like that's the thing is the numbers drop off fast. Yeah. So like that's actually not as bad as I thought. (laughs) Yeah. When so Lightyear at number 11 is 89 million. You go down to let's see, one, two, three four five you go down five and you're in the 50 million Mm. range with jackass forever Mm -hmm. you know and then you go down one two three more and you're in the 30 million dollar range so you know we're like within 20 movies we've gone from 520 million dollars to 31 million dollars right yeah which is like the northman at number 20 Mm -hmm. but taking out all of those huge studio projects it becomes a very different conversation you get things well i'll take morbius out of this too because yeah yeah. that is a failed huge uh you know that's an anomaly yeah um but you get scream you get everything everywhere you get dog the channing tatum movie that i've heard is actually really good um me too you get the northman you get well elvis you can't really say because that just came out but it just came out um you get ambulance you get the king's man you get Father Stew, which is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the unbearable weight of massive talent. You get Moonfall. You get X. You get RRR. Mm-hmm. You know, and Ooh, RRR. 
<laughs> nice. Um, you get men. You get Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like, mm-hmm. and now we're getting into things that are bleeding from last year. But, mm-hmm. but these things are like, yeah, like you know, X made eleven million dollars domestically. Yeah, not huge, but like, if but you're looking at like this, eight. yeah, if you're looking at this <laughs> section, like it's a different conversation than like, yeah, if you yeah. compare it to huge tent poles, no, but that's like a good like return. Yeah. It's like, and it's a good movie and it means people went to see a good movie. Mm-hmm. And like these movies are never going to do $500 million. Nor They're not intended they. to do $500 million. No. And like, I'm down for that. Me too. You can't just be aiming for, and this is, I was worried about this and I think I brought this up to you like probably a year ago where I'm like, are these movies shifting the goalpost to be like, well, if it doesn't make $200 million off the budget, then is it considered a failure? And like, I think these movies, which is why they're not doing these movies that much anymore or putting them in theaters is because they're like, yeah, but it doesn't look as good against Top Gun made a billion dollars and when X made $60 million or whatever, like off of its budget. Not that it was ever going to do that, but it's, it's. X is only at $14 million worldwide. Which is hey, that's bizarre, actually but like <laughs> bizarre, still but still a good return. Like, yeah, can't believe it. Nobody like I can't believe anybody actually went and saw that because that that was out at a time where you know there was the Batman and stuff yeah. in, in theaters, and we've lost what like what going to the movies is for. Yeah, and it's just become spectacle, pure and not even just pure spectacle because ambulance is spectacle. It's it's it it's about known spectacle known spectacle you think you're gonna miss out on something the buzz is crazy you've seen Endgame, so you're like chasing that high mm-hmm. for every movie that's come after it and it's never gonna get there and like i just even eternals was like a failure and it made like 700 million dollars yeah. or something it's like that's just we've we've passed the point of like movies are our product yeah. now and well like, and those top tier ones <laughs> like you know we can talk about top gun in this capacity but like yeah like yeah multiverse of madness is like you can't put those in the same category like those are entirely different products yeah yeah completely different i'm hyped for it and it's like a we talked about this last week actually i feel like box office performance is not a good metric anymore no because like yeah like dr strange of course it's going to do 200 400 million dollars but does that is, that is that a metric for if it's better or worse than the Black Phone or the Northman or yeah. you know everything everywhere? Right. I feel like we should put those movies like like Jurassic World, maybe even Avatar two. Although that's kind of a little mm-hmm. bit of a different thing, but definitely every Marvel movie, definitely any future Star Wars movies that come out, those need to be like in their own category yeah. that isn't part of the actual box office like statistics because yeah. it's always going to make that much money regardless of if it's bad i wish we and, could mathematically figure out a scale that equivocates yeah. the two of like yeah like dr strange is going to make minimum like the counting starts at 300 million dollars yeah you know that's opening or something night like that. yeah. yeah like because it's like yeah built-in audience it's is pre-orders yeah <laughs> i wish we could find an equivocation of yeah. like this thing to kind of give us a balanced right thing but it's hard it's 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 giving me hope that so many people are actually going to see these movies yeah. that are are like even a year ago i'd be like there's no one's going to show up for this i mean i was at wes anderson movies last year i was at a paul thomas anderson movie both of which were empty yeah. and i'm like this is Horror a travesty yeah. <laughs> like this is a, unbelievable so I mean it's it's cool. Now the interesting thing is like we haven't had a Tarantino, mm-hmm. we haven't really had a uh, a Scorsese. Like we had a Spielberg, but it was West Side Story. Like we haven't had these really big Well, like, yes and no. I mean I'm trying to think of like we had Ridley Scott, but like both of those <laughs> movies were like low tier Ridley, Ridley Scott. Scott yeah. Um, yeah, I mean last year I mean like we had a lot of big names. But they were out. making tiny niche like licorice pizza and yeah. the French Dispatch are like the most niche. Yeah, of I mean, niche licorice for those pizza. Two guys. 
you know, House of Gucci, Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Even like Ghostbusters Afterlife, you know, is like not an insubstantial, you know. Um, it's true. And that's, you know, we can't bet on those directors. Those are almost like outliers in of themselves. Like, yeah, it's true. like a Tarantino movie is going to do well. Yeah. A Scorsese movie is going to do well. I'm hyped for uh, Killers, Killers of the Flower, of Moon. The Flower Moon. Sorry. All it's I had was so unbearable good. weight because it's written on my screen right here. And I was like, nope. <laughs> oh. Scorsese Scorsese's <laughs> unbearable weight. Has Nick Cage ever done a Scorsese movie? He has, and I can't remember what it is right now. Bringing Out the Dead? Is that what it is? That's yeah. what it is. Yep, that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, he's a Coppola. Like. I mean, he's going to work with yeah. Scorsese. As, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I like. I feel like where we're landing with this middle tier stuff is basically like the old rules of metrics for box office success mm-hmm. don't necessarily apply anymore because there's always going to be the upper tier that mm-hmm. makes money, but those don't always equivocate to quality. Yes. And a billion dollars means nothing. And people are starting to seek out actual quality. Yeah. Which is and cool. maybe we have streaming to thank for that because people would, are starting to branch. Yeah. Because, well, because people are having so much content bombarded at them that they're like getting a better sense of good versus bad. Yeah. Which is why Morbius did so terrible. Yes. They're like, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Don't care if it's Marvel. Nope. <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> oh, man. I have to go watch Bringing well, Out the Dead right now. Me too. Nick I've Cage, never seen it. Patricia Arquette, John Goodman, Ving Rhames. I mean, it's it's. I'm sure it's great. I don't think I've ever seen Ving it. Ving Rhames. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've never even heard of this movie. Anyway, Ving Rhames and Nick Cage. I feel like they have been in a lot of movies together. <laughs> remember, uh, remember, Gone in sixty seconds. All right, we're getting away from. Oh it. yeah. Um, oh yeah. Let's. Uh, I feel like we we landed that plane. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, so. Do you want to bring it home and uh, hit up some some recommendations? Let's do it. So Let's our prompt for it. today in terms of our recommendations, and this kind of talk, ties into what we were just talking about, uh, is movies we love with budgets under $25 million. Yes. You go first, Josh. I'm so curious. Because I feel okay. like you prompted me with this with one in mind. I actually didn't. I was I I was thinking about the movies that we talked about, mm-hmm. like a perfect get like movies that are just in that. Yeah. But I didn't have one specifically in mind and I did not think I was gonna pick this one. But as soon as I was looking through the list, I'm like, of course this has to go. Yeah. And it's a two thousand nine movie that I've talked about before, but not recommended. And it's called Bright Star and it's directed by Jane Campion and it she made it for eight and a half million dollars and it's my favorite Jane Campion movie, which is like hard yeah. to say because all of her movies are really good, but I'm like, this is better than the piano. It's better than in the cut. It's better than power of the dog, even though I loved power of the dog. Uh, it stars Abby Cornish and Ben Wishaw and Paul Schneider and Thomas Brody Sangster. And it's essentially like a period piece, romantic drama yeah. based off of the life of John Keats, who is portrayed by Ben Wishaw and who you might actually know as Q from the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Yeah. Cause that's the only thing I know him from really. And I don't want to get too into the story because there's some things that happen that you don't want to know about, but it's just a really, really great, heartbreaking, beautiful film. Um, it's kind of almost about forbidden love, but in not the way that you necessarily would think. Mm. It's, you know, lots of jealousy and family politics, and it's kind of like a character study that pretty much takes place within the perimeters of like one location, although they go off a little bit, but it's mostly within this one large house. Yeah. And it's breathtaking. It's it's amazing. I think Abby Cornish got sh- like the worst end of the stick because like her career basically didn't go <laughs> anywhere. And I'm like, she's awesome. Yeah. Like I love her even in Limitless. I think she's awesome yeah. in Limitless. I'm like, where did this go? Why didn't you what just happen? Yeah, grab Bradley Cooper and just like <laughs> have him take you with you, pretty much, because she's awesome. She was great in Three Billboards. I mean, it's just one of those actresses that I'm like, how? How? Where did like? I get it. Like people like Brie Larson come in and like, yeah, be pretty much the same deal. But I think you're way better than Brie Larson, and you know it is one of those things. It's super underrated. It's very slow, and it's definitely a period piece. So if that's not 
one of your things. You might not enjoy it, but I absolutely adore this movie. I think it made like twelve million dollars, so it just barely pushed it over. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, yeah, even even that amount of money, I'm like, that's pretty insane for a movie like <laughs> yeah, this. Right? So that's specific, it. but. Uh, <laughs> That's wild. But it's awesome. So Bright Star, Jane Campion, check it out. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. And yeah, what what's your recommendation? So I, uh, my recommendation this week is possibly one of my favorite movies. I have watched this movie so many times. And I was like, it didn't even come to my head when we I was like thinking about this. And I was like doing a little research being like, all right, like what movies were under $25 million? And I right. saw this one and I went, that can't possibly be true. Oh. And I looked and I looked and I found like three different references that said that this movie was made for $15 million. I'm so... And that is <laughs> 2010's The King's Speech. Oh, really? It was made for $15 wow. million. I'm like, how do you afford the cast of this movie for $15 million? This is... Yeah, just Colin This Firth. is Colin Firth, Jeffrey Rush, and Helena Bottom Carter... Of the story of King George VI um, and like his issues with stammering and, you know, trying to overcome that set during like the throes of World War II and all that kind of stuff. This movie is massive. This movie is huge. This movie won Oscars. Yeah. And they made it it, for Best Picture. Yeah. I think it won. (laughs) Oh, did it? Uh, Yeah. It, It won Best Picture. It won Best Director and it won Best Actor. Uh, and best well, original you... screenplay. This was made for well, fifteen million dollars, and it won four Academy Awards. The mind boggles that this was made for fifteen million dollars. Yeah, it's um, it's unbelievable, actually. And like That's... to to play off of yours too, I'm like it's a period piece, like costumes alone, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> like I I mean I imagine it's one of those things that you you got a lot of people that signed on because of the nature of the project. Sure, um, but still. Still. I was like, there's no way that movie was made for $15 million. That's unbelievable. I would say at minimum 30. Yeah, I would have put it around like 45. Yeah, like. Yeah. Wild. That's unreal. It's endless, the the level of talent behind this movie that got it done for $15 million. It's wild. It's wild. Wonder what did it make? It made $400 million. <laughs> Worldwide. Domestic, it made 138. International, 288. Worldwide, 427 million. If Paranormal Activity didn't exist, that might be like the best return on investment. It was like another thing that I was like, no, this movie made $400 million. How is this like, how is this this $15 million? That's insane. That's I love this movie. I watch this movie all the time. I like Mm -hmm. Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush are amazing in it. The cinematography Mm -hmm. is off the hook. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm like, I talk about this movie. I'm talking about this movie right now. And I'm like, I need to go watch this. Movie. <laughs> um, oh, I need a fire. What's that? Um, that's on a service. I know. I just it's saw on it the other Hulu day. right now. Perfect. Um, okay. Okay. You know, here you want to know the level of quality that I attach to this movie. This is yeah. one of the few movies that I have on my letterboxed top movies list. Maybe um, that's where I saw it. Honestly. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go that's how you know that's how you know so i mean there you go two period pieces yeah check them out they're both really really good for really cheap make them both for like a quarter of the price of a watch both of these movies (laughs) and see if you can spot where the money went yeah Mm -hmm. because i like i all day i've been thinking about this and i'm like i don't know where there's only 15 million dollars i'm like Mm -hmm. that scene is 15 million dollars that's like there's you scenes in Colin Buckingham Firth. Palace. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I assume it's not in Buckingham Palace, but like you made like, Buckingham it looks like Palace. It. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. A lot goes, or a little goes a long way when you know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And when you're not like, let's just figure it out later. You know, like we'll shoot it, and in a year we'll have to probably change the timeline around and redo it. So. Gotta love Tom Hooper. Um, I have heard that there's an unofficial trilogy with this movie of. King's Speech, Dunkirk, and Darkest Hour because they're all take place around the same thing. Oh. Oh, now that's that's a triple bill right mm-hmm. there. 
That's interesting. Unofficial trilogy, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. It's all around the same oh. time period. Okay, I'm going to have to revisit I all know. three of those. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So all there's right. our two. What's your, your Brightburn? Bright Star. Bright Star. Very different. Very different. Oh, my, yes. <laughs> Bright <laughs> Bright Star and The King's Speech. Uh, those yes. are our two recommendations for movies under $25 million. Yeah. Astounding. Wow. Just, wow. All right. So let's bring it home. That's uh, that's a yeah, good solid episode right there. Josh, uh, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet uh, on Twitter at JoshFuller33. Fuller is spelt with no E. You can also find me on Instagram and on Letterboxd at Josh J. Fuller. On Letterboxd, you'll find everything that I watch movie-wise. And if there's a limited series and they happen to put it on there like Kenobi, that's on there too. Nice. Uh, and where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at WillisFilm. Uh, and you can also find me on Letterboxd at WillisFilm, which I was on there for a little while today. And I was like looking at stuff. So like one of these days, I'm going to start posting all of it. I swear it's going to happen. I'm waiting. I know my personality. And I'm like, I know that I'm like just like creeping towards this ledge that I'm just going to dive off. of. So stay <laughs> tuned, like and subscribe because it's going to happen and it's going to be completely non exciting. Uh, but. It's going to be chaos. <laughs> if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on uh, Instagram at Pixel Splitters. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And you can find us on Letterboxd at Pixel Splitters, which includes all of our recommendations, including Bright Star. Bright Star. I, I had burn in my head again. Uh, Bright Star <laughs> and the King's Speech uh, and all of our top fives, bottom fives, et cetera. And um, yes. that'll do it. We uh, that will do it. I think we're gonna have something kind of special for you guys coming out tomorrow. Um, yeah. So stay tuned for that. You know we. Uh, yes. Josh and I like to talk about movies, so we do. We're gonna. If you haven't noticed, yeah, we're gonna expand a little bit here and uh, see what we can do. Yeah. But uh, absolutely. <laughs> spoiler, I guess for all y'all that have listened all the way here. But yes, stay tuned. Um, and uh, I guess that'll that'll bring us home. <laughs> That will definitely bring us home, and it is very humid in here, so let's All right. wrap this up. That'll do it. Uh, <laughs> good talking to you, as always, Josh. Dear listeners, thank you for listening. We love you. Listen all the time.